Yeah. It's overwhelming, isn't it? Man, the love of God. It's just, it's incredible. You know, we're going to be talking today about moving on to part three in the book of Acts on miracles. And we had a miracle two weeks ago, and there were a lot of unbelievers and, and naysayers, but uh, we had a miracle two weeks ago. Super Bowl Sunday. My wife, my Valentine, bought this for me. And, uh, I mean, you have to understand where I'm coming from. I've been following the Denver Broncos since they were formed as an organization. It's about 55 years ago. Shows you how old I am. They've been to the Super Bowl eight times, and this is their only their third win. So this is a big deal. Third win. So let's let, – now, I'm going to say it's really not a miracle. It's, it was great defense. Oh, man. It was awesome defense. But I couldn't let that go. I mean, hey, third time in 55 years. My. Uh, we, so we want to continue on here in the book of Acts. And, um, you know, last, last week, uh, John taught on the kingdom of God. And one of the key elements of the kingdom of God that we see in the book of Acts is that of miracles. And we see how God used miracles and continues to use miracles. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Um, there's a long list of them in the book of Acts. But I want to start with just a, a, a reading in Acts 11, 25, where it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, teaching the church in Antioch, and taught the people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Think about that. We go by the term Christian today. That was first birth in Antioch after a year of teaching with Paul and Barnabas. And we say today, a lot of times we say, well, I'm a Christian. And I think many of us think, well, I'm a Christian because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's true. But there's really more to it than that. Because the word Christos actually means anointed. And so what that's saying is, I am a follower of the anointing. And it really means I belong to the anointing. The anointing is part of me as a follower of Jesus Christ. So that's a big, that's a big thing. And... With that anointing last week, John taught on the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we saw some power moving down here. Uh, We saw one one individual who's been seeking his his prayer language for, I don't know, 25 years or so. He got his prayer language, baptized in the Holy Spirit. We saw the power of God moving here last week. And that's the dunamis power of God. And see, that's the key. That's the key for miracles. It's the key for everything we do. In fact, Jesus said that we'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and on to the ends of the earth. And we can only really be his witnesses by the dunamis power. You realize that, right? You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. It's the dunamis power. So that's what we're going to be looking at today as we study miracles and how the dunamis power is a part of that. You know, miracles are a part of the normal church. We see that here in the book of Acts. Do you believe that? We see miracles here in this church. We've got a list of them. I'll mention a couple of them today very briefly. But 
That's a normal part of the Christian church. And so that's, I just, I, I love what the Webster's definition of miracles is. Let's look at that here. It says, a miracle is a surprising and welcome event that's not explicable or can't be explained by natural or scientific laws and it's therefore considered the work of God. Right? So oracles are the miracle of, are the work of God. Here we've got Webster's confirming that to us. So you think about that. What is work? We all work in one way or another. The purpose of work is to accomplish something, right? So God's using miracles to accomplish something. We, um, you know, we work is to achieve a purpose. It's to uh, 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 obtain a result. Maybe it's to create something new or fix something that's broken. There's all different results that come from, from work. And we're going to see that as we look at the work of God through miracles. There's a number of different results that we see as we see God move in miracles. We'll look at a few of those today to help us better understand what the work of God is. And as we understand the work of God, it helps us to better understand who God is and the character of God. Amen? Okay. So that's what we're going to that's what we're going to look at today. Now, first of all, I want to say there are really two teachings on miracles, right? There's one that says that signs and wonders were designed by God to help people recognize and believe in the Son of God and to establish the authority of the apostles and what they did, but those works ended when the apostles died and we should not seek them today. That's one teaching, right? And there are a number of churches that teach that. And we just need to help them, help them learn. The, what, what the other teaching is, which we believe, is that the, the signs and wonders should be sought after and performed today in Jesus' name. Just as they did it here in Jesus' name, we're continuing to do it. We're, our, we're an extension of the book of Acts, folks. That's what we're doing. And... Uh, it's God is supernatural. And when we see him perform a miracle, it helps increase our faith, right? It helps, uh, helps us learn more about his character and helps us convey that to the people around us. So God, there's a reason God does miracles. It's his work, and we want to be a part of the work that he's doing. Amen? Okay, good. So um, my goal today here is that we'll really help raise our expectancy for miracles. Because we can see more. I believe we can be a part of more. Because I believe that's what God's desire is. And I tell you, for the American church, I believe one of the reasons that we don't see more miracles than we do is because of the, the faith level and the belief level of the American church. And so as a, we want to, as our part of the American church, we want to help lift that expectancy. Because our God cannot be put in a box. Amen. Okay. So turn with me. Let's look in uh, first here in Acts 3. 1 through 12. And we're going to look at one of the miracles. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at several miracles through this teaching and look at the results of those miracles. And many times you'll see that one miracle may actually have three or four results because our God is an infinite God. But let's, let's just look here in Acts 3. Uh, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, 
he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And, when they, were, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said it to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Here we have this man, lame from birth. You've heard the story probably a hundred times, many of you. He was brought to the gate every day to panhandle, to beg, to live. That's how he lived. Sure, he didn't want to do it. He was doing what he could do. Trying to get money, trying to live. Everybody saw him. They all knew him. But then this day comes along, and there's an amazing change. God does an amazing work. Here's this guy that's sitting around just looking for more change. And instead of getting some spare change, he gets a change of life. He looks up and Peter says, hey, the Lord spoke to Peter, made it really clear. Let's just do something here. He raises him up, prays for him, and the man's healed. Now, the thing that's really neat about this, and we're going to see several different pieces to this miracle. The thing that's neat is the people recognized that this was the guy they'd seen for a long time. But they were filled with wonder and amazement, we're told, in verse 10. And so look what happened. We go on to verse 19, and uh, let's see here. So here in the same chapter, at verse 19, we see Peter say, Repent then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So see, here Peter starts to preach a salvation message. Peter's focus on the Lord is so great The miracle of the man getting healed, that's a miracle. God blessed this man. He showed his love to this man. He changed his terrible circumstance. But Peter was so in focus with the Lord that he didn't take his eyes off the ball. And he saw the bigger thing, the bigger purpose, which the Lord was using that miracle for this bigger miracle of waking up the people to say, hey, there's something here about this God that these guys serve. And so as he did that, he opens up and he starts to preach a salvation message. Now we can say, well, maybe that was just a coincidence. Or maybe it was just fortunate or lucky that the people woke up. But Peter stopped to pray for that man 
And God used it in a special way to bring breakthrough in that area. So the first point I want to make is that the Lord uses miracles. One of the results is he uses miracles because he wants to build relationship with each of us. And that's what we see in this miracle. Hey, the, the healed man, he was leaping and jumping and praising God. I believe that man came into relationship with Jesus Christ. But bigger than that, the Lord used it to reach a multitude. This was the second biggest, the second big sermon that, that Peter preached. Just followed, you know, what he preached a, a day or so before. So here we are. God is reaching out to his people to bring salvation and to build relationship with them. You know, he... Um, I think many times we get caught up. I think some of us, you know, have been walking with the Lord, had relationship with him for 30 years or 40 years. That's the greatest miracle there is. I think we can, we can start to miss how important the gift of salvation is, the miracle of salvation is. That's the greatest miracle is. Think about it. One day, one time, you're a sinner headed for eternity in hell. And then through the flash of light... Through the flash of an instant, you make a conversion, and now you are a child of God headed for eternity with him in heaven. That is the greatest miracle we're ever going to see. And that's one of God's primary purposes for miracles. And so I just it's really sad when those that say, you know, God doesn't want to do miracles today, because that's really taken away from God's very purpose for all of us, for all of us to come into relationship with him. Amen? We, um, we got a call a little few weeks ago. Kathy, Kathy has a sister, and her sister and our brother-in-law live in Idaho Springs. And Idaho, excuse me, Idaho. Um, and we've talked to them about the Lord for years. I mean, we've shared with them. We've talked to them. We've encouraged them. For one point, we thought we were kind of making a little bit of progress, and it just didn't go anywhere. She got involved in New Age. Uh, some new age stuff. She got involved into going into these Indian sweat tents or smoke tents or something. I don't know. So they've just always been there. We just kept loving them. Well, she called because Bob, our brother-in-law, had a heart attack. And, you know, he's younger than we are. He had a heart attack. They both they're both have been heavy smokers. They both, they're both quitting smoking now. But it's kind of like closing the door after the cows got out, right? Um, so he had a heart attack, but the, the, the fi- they were under this tremendous financial pressure. He's a, um, a contractor, not a contractor, a carpenter, works in a union. And the way it's set up is the union pays for his insurance as he's a part of the union, but he has to work a certain number of days uh, during the month to get his insurance covered. And that particular month, work's been slow up there, and that particular month, he didn't work enough days. He didn't have insurance, and they racked up $58,000 medical bills from this heart attack. They were devastated. They didn't know what they are going to do. They are just crushed. So Kathy said, you know, I'd, I'd really like to send them some money. Can we do that? And we said, sure. So we, you know, we sent her some money. You know, it wasn't, wasn't a lot, but we wanted to bless them. We have been blessed. I can't tell you how many times we have been blessed by people in this church as we've been going through our stuff. And we'll see here in a minute that that's part of what God wants the church to do is to bless one another. So we sent him a little money, and she called just weeping. She was just so touched. She says, I know how, you know, I know you guys are struggling. I know times have been tough. This means so much to us. 
We said, you know, that's fine. Um, we're going to be praying for you. We're going to be praying for you guys and for, your, for Bob's health and for your financial situation. So the next week, we had Connect Group at our house, and we prayed for him. The very next day, that evening, we get a call. They're both sobbing on the phone. Out of nowhere, they don't know how, they don't know who. We don't know if it was the union. We don't know. But they said, all of your bills have been wiped out. Zero. Zero. Now, we can say, well, that was a coincidence. Well, that was the union. He's worked for him faithfully. Well, you know what? That was a miracle of God. And one of our things as believers is we need to be aware of what God's doing. Now, you know, we can get caught up in the thing that says when we see all kinds of stuff happening, everything's a miracle, right? We can get out of balance and say, oh, that was a miracle. That was a miracle. It wasn't a miracle. It was good defense. It wasn't a miracle. Or we can be on the other side that says, or we can be on the other side that says there are no miracles. We don't see any miracles. We need to stay balanced, but we need to be looking for the hand of God as it moves because as it moves, now we have these two people that are really open. And she told her, Barb told Kathy, you know, we know this is God. We know this is a blessing. We're just so thankful. All of a sudden, their eyes are opening up. I wish we could say that, you know, we led them to the Lord and everything is resolved. But I'll tell you what, they're moving much closer because God's using a miracle. Amen? Amen. Okay, now let's look in Acts 4. Acts 4, 29 through 35. And we're going to look at another miracle. I just love, don't you just love seeing the hand of God and seeing what he's doing here? Um, so here we are in Acts 29. I'm sorry, Acts 4, verse 29. Thank you. Yeah, oh yeah. Now, Lord, now Lord, consider... Their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's what we all need to be praying. Lord, we want to speak your word with great boldness. And that's what he's given us miracles for. It strengthens us. It increases our boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd already been filled days ahead. So this was just a refreshing and infilling. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So now they were strengthened and emboldened to speak the word of God. The place was shaken. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own. But they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they saw need. Here we have a miracle, and the result was to advance the kingdom of God. This miracle shook 
shook up. I mean, these were all believers, but it shook them up in such a way that it changed their perspective on how to relate to one another, how to be part of this, this new community in unity. Because as they became part of that community in unity, everybody around them saw that and wanted to be a part of that. Mark taught a couple weeks ago on the exponential growth of the church in the advancement of the kingdom. I believe this is one of the keys. This example that we just shared with her sister, we gave her a little bit of money. It was a drop in the bucket to 58000 but it opened their eyes and changed their hearts. We've had the same thing happen to us as people have come to us in community and blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. That's all part of the kingdom because it advances the kingdom. And as we show that love and unity to one another, it spreads to those around us. I, um, I love the story about Paul on the road to Damascus. I mean, here he was, Saul. He was the teacher of teachers, right? He was the Hebrew defender of the, of the Jewish law. To the point that he felt like the way he had to defend that law was to kill Christians and stop this movement. So he's out there persecuting and killing Christians. He's on the road to Damascus to kill some more Christians. He's riding along on his horse. There's a flash of lightning. Knocks him off his horse to the ground. And then all of a sudden he starts to hear God. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Who are you? Who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. The people with him didn't hear the voice. Only Saul heard it. Saul is blinded, can't see. He tells him to go in and wait for him. So they take him in, take him in blind. He doesn't eat for three days. Here's this guy who was the Hebrew of Hebrews. One of the leaders of the Jewish nation. And he's sitting there saying, what am I supposed to do with this, Lord? That miracle to advance the kingdom really humbled Paul. You know, it's interesting. He was a very prideful man. Many of us, many of us struggle with pride. But you know what? Man's pride shrinks when it experiences the power of God. All of a sudden, Paul became very humble. You might have experienced it yourself. You're starting to think, man, I'm doing really good things for God. Wow, you know, I led this person to the Lord. Wow, I prayed for this person and they're healed. All of a sudden, you get a touch. Just You see a little bit of the power of God, and it just brings you back to reality that I'm not doing this. I'm just being a tool. I'm just being used. God humbles people as we come to experience him. Paul went on through his humility, wrote over 25% of the New Testament, became one of the greatest evangelists our our Christian world has ever seen. Became one of our, our greatest biblical teachers. Had one of the biggest impacts on advancing the kingdom because God used a miracle on him to humble him. And now he's, he, he began to advance the kingdom. Great story, huh? Okay, come on now. This is good stuff. These are the works of God. Don't worry about me. You're not, you're not amening me. You're amening the works of God, okay? All right, let's look in Acts, Acts chapter 5.
verse 1 through 5. Here's another one. This is an interesting one. I love this one. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Remember the ones that were selling it before and giving it to everybody? Well, they sold it. And this time with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all those who heard what had happened. You say, wow. So here we have the, the next result. Wow. How did this, how does this affect God? I mean, how is this miracle of killing Ananias? Why is, how is God going to use that miracle? What result can he bring from that? That's a strange miracle. That's a strange thing. How can God use that? But the whole thing about it is, God was dealing with evil in the camp. He saw what Ananias and Sapphira did. He saw the motives of their heart and he saw evil. And evil goes against the very goodness of God. God's the, the, oppose, the, the complete opposition to evil. And so he cannot tolerate that evil. And so, uh, you know, evil comes to steal the attention and the truth from God. Tries to steal his glory. But God used this miracle to glorify himself. So we see that he wanted to glorify him. And you say, well, how does that glorify God? Well, let's, let's think about this and let's look at it. Because he dealt with, a, with an evil in the camp and did it in a way that would bring glory to himself. And I think another, another um, Bible story will really help you understand that. Turn with me to Exodus 14. Or push the button on your app to Exodus 14, or read the board up on the wall on Exodus 14, and we'll just read verses 1 through 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haroth, between Migdal and the sea. There they are, they are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite of Baal-Zephon, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So here we have this, this I mean, think about this. He's telling Moses, okay, you guys are, you're escaping, you're getting away, now stop, turn around and just wait. Because Pharaoh's gonna see you and he's gonna think, wow, these guys are confused. We can go get them. Moses is thinking, really? I mean, that's kinda like, that's kinda like you're making us bait, Lord. We're like sitting ducks here, waiting for Pharaoh to come and get us? This really what you want? Why do you wanna do that? Pharaoh's pride rises up. And what does God say? Through this, I'm going to glorify myself. God's glory 
changes us like nothing else. God loves to reveal his glory to us because it does have such an important impact. I mean, it's just amazing. Here we have the ultimate goal of the parting of the Red Sea was so that God would gain honor and would be lifted up and would be glorified. Because he wanted his people to fear him and believe in him. He wants us to fear him and believe in him. And that's what we see when we see his glory. We start to move into the, the fear, the reverence of the Lord. And we want to we follow him and believe him. And as a result of these miracles, God honored the people and the pe- that, that would try to forsake him for other gods. He wanted to stop them forsaking other gods. That's what he was dealing with when he dealt with Ananias and Sapphira. He wants to stop them moving into evil so that they can, he can, be, they can come to him with a heart. That he's calling us each to have for him. You see, a miracle, a miracle can have two or three results. We can look at the, the ones we've looked at already. And that first miracle we saw when Peter walked up and, and raised up the lame man. The, lame, the, uh, the kingdom of God was advanced. Relationship was God, with God was built. With many people as the sermon was shared. And God was glorified. He can do a lot of different things through his miracles. Sometimes he does very specific things through a miracle. In, um, in John chapter 2, we're told about the story about when Jesus went to the wedding in Canaan. And here they are, they're celebrating, they have the feast going, but they're, the, 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 the feast is going to start to have a problem because they're running out of wine. And so Jesus turns water into wine. You all know the story really well. And why does he say that he did that? He says, he does this that his glory might be revealed. And as a result, the disciples first believed on him. That's when his, he first came into a real deep relationship with his disciples when they saw him do the miracle. That's why miracles are so important for us. It helps us to build our relationship with God. Helps us to share that relationship with others around us. Amen? Okay. Now, let's go back to Acts 5. We'll look at another one of his miracles. There are a lot of miracles in the book of Acts. I wish we had the time to go through all of them. Can we go like till 2.30, 3 o'clock today? Is that okay? Okay, we'll look at some more then. Acts 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the people used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. So here the apostles and disciples are moving around the colonnade, praying for people, healing people, bringing miracles, signs and wonders. The people revered them. They respected them, but they were afraid to go near them. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the Uh, into the streets, laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits. And all of them were healed. All of them were healed. Did anybody hear a bird? 
<laughs> okay. Uh, sometimes those birds get in here and they fly around, you know. The, um, here we see that the people were uncomfortable with joining the apostles. You know, I believe sometimes, sometimes when we get around the power of God or the holiness of God, it can be kind of uncomfortable for us, right? Uncomfortable depending on where we're at. Uncomfortable even when we're in good place. It's the power of God. And uh, that's what they were experiencing, I believe. We, um, years and years ago, about the time of the Brownsville revival was going on, we were living in Des Moines, and there was a, a revival going on in a little town outside of Kansas City called Smithton. Anybody ever hear of the Smithton revival? A few people. Oh, yeah, my daughter. <laughs> Smithton revival. Town of 500 people. The revival's going. When we went there, there were a thousand people there for the revival. They're coming from all around. They had to take, they had to move the church. They got into the biggest building in town, set up, made that the church. Then they hooked up TV cameras and, and, and broadcast it to two other places because there were just so many people coming through Smithton. Great thing. Great revival. We saw people healed. We saw people saved. I mean, it was really, it was really, really encouraging. I can remember we went up front to, to pray and, and to be prayed for. And when we got to the front, I mean, we, we, we were sitting in the back of the auditorium. When we got up to the front, the power of God was so strong, we were literally vibrating. I'm not, I've never experienced this before like this. My legs, I mean, I was shaking like this. It was like I was holding on to a, an electric 440 current line. I mean, it was draining. So then we, we left. We walked out of the, uh, the auditorium. We were going to get ready to go home. And uh, the two ladies decided they maybe ought to go make a quick stop before we get in the car and get on the road. So my friend and I are standing there. And we said, well, you know what? We're standing there feeling normal. Everything's fine. I said, let's go back in and pray some more. Okay. So we walked back in. Walked right back up there. We started shaking again. We just walked right back in to that pool of the power of God. I have felt that same pool down front here. That's the power of God. That's the power of God that changes us. That's the dunamis power of God that makes the, that brings these things together for us. God used the miraculous power to show people his nature. This is the next result. He loves to use his power because he loves to reveal his nature to us. You know, God's, I mean, think about it. God is He's a just God. He's justice. He's righteous. He's loving. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's the God of joy. He's the God of peace. He's the God of salvation. We could go on and on with his characteristics. As he does these miracles, he's revealing these, his character to us. You know, I, I, uh, I think many times, you know, you'll hear somebody and they say, They'll take one of his characteristics and they start to twist it around. And they, like one, one, one common one that I've heard is, why would God, a God of love, send people to hell? When you think about it, it's because of God's justice. God cannot forgive those who don't repent. That's his justice. 
He can't forgive them if they don't repent. But in his justice, the other side of the coin is he sends his prophets, his pastors, his people, his disciples to show them the love of God and redemption so that they can come into to repentance and redemption. See, God's every one of his characters is a two sided coin. He has to be God, but his, it always comes back to his love for each one of us. Amen? God can take, bring goodness into any bad circumstance through miracles. I love this story. There's a true story that's just coming out on film. And it's called Miracles from Heaven. Have any of you heard about it or seen it? It's coming out in about a month. True story. It's about a little girl named Annabelle who was five years old when she was diagnosed with two incurable diseases. These were life-threatening digestive disorders. They kept her in and out of the hospital for years. Her mom explained that her daughter was in such constant pain for most of her childhood that at one time the little girl just said, I just want to die and go be with Jesus. I just can't handle the pain anymore. They battled it for years. We've got a short little two-minute trailer for the movie that's going to just kind of tell you the story. Let's just watch that. It's a miracle. 
So here's, here's a little bit more about the story. When she was in heaven, she said, I knew I was in heaven because I saw my grandmother Mimi, who had died a few years earlier. And that's how I knew I was in heaven. And I believe I was cured. That I believe that I was cured. I asked Jesus if I could stay with him. And he said, no. I have plans for you on earth that you cannot fulfill in heaven. When I send you back, there will be nothing wrong with you. Since the accident, Annabelle has not been hospitalized for her disorders, which have confounded the doctors. Her mom revealed that Annabelle is now asymptomatic and is currently on zero meds. Here's a miracle that shows us God's nature. Shows how he can take a tragic catastrophe. She was knocked down into the center of that tree and was in there for like three hours because it fell into a hollow tree. It took him three hours to get her out of the tree. It advances his kingdom with this miracle. He had more for her to fulfill. I think this movie and the book are probably part of that fulfillment. You know, a few people in the town saw the miracle. Now the world's going to see the miracle. The world's going to see the power of God, the love of God, the compassion of God. As we close, I want to look at one more verse. This is Mark chapter 16, 19 and 20. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs and wonders that accompanied it. the, The Lord worked with them. So the Lord does works and he works with us to confirm his word with signs and wonders. I think the last result I want to share this morning is that the miracles of God validate his people, his messengers, and his works to those around us. He validated the faith of the parents of that little girl as they kept praying and hung on. He validated that faith through this miracle. He validates his works. We, uh, we shared, a, John shared a testimony, I think it was last week, that, you know, of a miracle that took place here in our house with uh, Alex and Lena and their family. For those of you that don't know, you know, Alex has been here for 10, 11 years, been waiting for his family to come from the Ukraine all that time. Couldn't get him, couldn't get him admitted into the country, couldn't get the approvals. He came into our connect group about six or seven years ago, and we all started just praying with him and joining him in prayer. And Ron brought him into his house and had him live with him. You know, the whole, that's, that's Acts right there, the unity, bringing him into his house. Continuing to pray for Lena and their family. They get down to the wire where it looks like it's finally going to happen. And they go, she goes to the embassy, and everything has been turned in. Everything's ready. And all of a sudden they say, we're missing a bunch of your paperwork. We had, we had their family come to our house, this, to our connect group this week for a welcome home party. We had a great party, a celebration. Kathy made a big bowl of pasta and everybody brought great stuff. We had meatballs and salad and pies and I mean, it was just, we had a great celebration. 
During the celebration, I, I asked Lane, I said, tell us a little bit about your angelic visitation. What, what happened? What were you doing that day? She had just found out that it was going to be postponed. The documents are missing. They don't know how long it's going to be postponed. She was praying and fasting that day because she couldn't handle it anymore. She was praying and fasting. She'd been waiting 12 years. All of a sudden, she's in the room with her little girl, and she feels someone tug on her hair. And she turns around, and the angel's behind her. She sees his golden hair, doesn't see his face. And he says, wait until the first. None of us knew what the first was. That was about the 20th of January, I think. I don't know. Ten days or so. Wait until the first. We don't know if it's the first of January or the first of 2017. We don't know what the first is. But on the first of February, Alex gets an email that says, your family can now come to America. God confirmed it. So, look at this now. Why did God send an angel to Lena? He wouldn't have had to. He could have just done that. And on the first, Alex could have gotten the email. And we would all said, well, we've been praying. God answered our prayer. Or some would say, well, that was a coincidence. It happened. You know, the paperwork was found. But God confirmed his word by sending her an angel, a physical manifestation, so we would all know this was God. This is the glory of God in our midst. And now this family is here. God uses miracles to build our faith, to raise our expectancy, so that we can move forward with him in faith. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor John, but I believe that we have an opportunity as we open our altars today. I know some of you have been dealing with stuff for a long time. Maybe today's the day you fall out of the tree. We can't hold back, guys. We've got to keep pressing into the things of God because he wants to confirm his word with signs and wonders. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. You know, that, uh, one of the, uh, am I on here? One of the, uh, if you caught one of the things that said in the scriptures was that he healed them all. You see that phrase all throughout the gospels. He healed them all, healed them all. They were all healed, all, all, all. And I don't want us to fall into the trap of unbelief that when we pray and somebody doesn't get healed or whatever, that whatever it is, that we conclude that God doesn't want everybody healed. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. We don't always see everybody healed, but we keep contending for the kingdom because there's satanic opposition. There's uh, measures of unbelief. Jesus had no problems calling our unbelief unbelief. Whatever it is, it's on this side. It's not on God's side. God is pouring out his goodness on us in overwhelming measures, and we are learning to receive it and impart it to one another. So you can't give up. You cannot give up on that. And um, I think the greatest motivation of all in God doing miracles is because he loves us. I think he just hates our pain. He feels it and he wants to heal it.